What's up, guys? Welcome out to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast brought to you by 208 Printing. Make sure to go to madeby208.com to get all of your merchandise, any swag that you need taken care of. 208 Printing, they are the presenting sponsor of the podcast. Guys, today on the show, we're going to be talking to a former Boise State wide receiver. Now, he's the owner of his own company. He's an entrepreneur doing big things. We're going to learn about his football career and what it was like at Boise State not necessarily being the number one wide receiver and how he utilized the skill sets during his four and a half years at Boise State to then leverage into his career post-college. You guys don't want to miss this one. It's going to be a great episode for athletes coming up, getting to the collegiate ranks, um, coaches, parents, and so forth. So make sure to tune in. You don't want to miss this episode of The Game Time Guru. What time is it? Game time. This is The Game Time Guru Podcast where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. What's up, everyone? Welcome out to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. I am your host, Shane Larson. I'm excited to be here today for yet another interview. You guys heard it in the introduction. We've got a former Boise State wide receiver. Now he's an entrepreneur. He's doing his thing now. Uh, he's really well known in the Valley of, you know, the Treasure Valley of Idaho. And we're trying to get the exposure out there uh, for him because he's got a lot of knowledge to share. His name's David McKenzie. Goes by DMac. Thank you so mm-hmm. much for joining the show, man. Dude, thank you, man. I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm stoked to have you on here, man. So I've been uh, following DMAC for, for a little while. No, it sounds really like kind of like a creeper. But uh, <laughs> when, when I see people in the Valley that are successful, especially like entrepreneurs and stuff, like I love watching that. And then, you know, the way I even found you was because I was at a Boise State game and you're out there doing the MC work, like talking and right. stuff. And it was some, somewhat new to the Boise State like fan experience. And then mm. I was like, who is this guy? And so like, I'm research i'm like oh yeah he was that okay and then i started to realize who you were followed you on social media um let's let's before we dive deeper into who you are dmac just just mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about what you do give us a little breakdown of what you're currently doing and then we'll kind of get to know the background of how you got there yeah man so uh, like, like like i said thanks again for having me on but uh what i do now man is i host speak and mc live events right so that goes under my business i have my own business called david mckenzie enterprises so in that business dude i've hosted, you know, the Miss Idaho's, I've spoken at different companies, I've, you know, spoken for certain brands. Um, and in that, you know, it's allowed me to create a lot of relationships and create a brand to where I can connect other businesses and brands to business and kind of be the middleman on a lot of cool deals. And, um, you know, through this exposure, I've gotten on Good Morning America and um, got featured on some on CBS and done some things. So I make a joke, you know, what I'm saying, Maybe, you know, the goal is the black Ryan Seacrest. I don't know. But the thing <laughs> is, is that I, I love to entertain. I love to bring energy. But I'm also, I mean, we'll get into that later, but I'm also a person who likes to talk entrepreneurship and knows the, 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 the fundamentals of business too. So not only am I, you know, striving to be a brand to bring energy, but I can also talk negotiations and uh, leveraging that brand to the best of my ability. Man, it's so cool. It's it's awesome to see what you're doing, man. And and for those um who who 
haven't ever actually followed you. They're, they're new, maybe this is the first time they've heard of you. Where can they follow you on social media real quick? I want to make sure we put that out there. What's your uh, yeah. social media tag? So Instagram is at DMAC underscore one. So that's at DMAC underscore one. And that's where most of my stuff is. And you'll see my business um, connected to that page and all that stuff. So that's kind of the, um, the, uh, the main page there for sure. Okay. Is that the correct handle right there that we have on the screen? Yep. That's it. Okay. That's it. At DMAC underscore one guys, go follow him. He's got a lot of, a lot of good stuff to watch, man. And he's, he's great at what he does, but before he ever got there, this is the crazy thing. He's got a sports background and you guys know this is a sports mm-hmm. podcast. We're interviewing figures, sports figures from all across the world, to kind of get to know their stories, uh, getting to know them behind the sports, behind the athlete, but also learn what sports have taught them. And, you know, you had mentioned to me prior to this interview, DMAC, that you were – we'll start here because I'm not a Lakers fan. We'll start with this. I'm a Cowboys fan. <laughs> representing my, my brand-new CD Lamb jersey. Just came Come in the mail on. yesterday. Um, let's talk about that. How did you become a Cowboys fan? Because everybody asks me how I became a Cowboys fan because I'm from Idaho. I say I was blue, bleeding blue and silver when I was in the womb. Um, right. <laughs> it just came out that way. I was, I was born into it, you know. But how did you become a Cowboys fan, and what's, uh, what's that like from where you're from? Well, you know, to be honest, I mean, I grew up in the Dallas area, but to be real with you, growing up as a football player, as a guy who was a huge sports fan, I was a Peyton Manning guy, all right? So I was a, I'm a huge Peyton Manning guy. To me, when you argue Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, I, I think Tom Brady's one of the best ever, but I say any quarterback who has taken, who has been to four Super Bowls with four different head coaches and four different offensive coordinators and has won two of them with two different teams, that guy is it, it to me, it has to be in one of the best ever. So growing up, I was a Colts fan or Broncos. But when he retired, I was like, well, where do, who, who do I like? Who, who, you know, who do I like now? And I'm like, well, I'm from Dallas. They're a younger team. You know, my, all my family's Cowboy fans. I go, I think it's an investment, you know, for me to say I'm a Cowboy fan. So about four or five years ago, I became an official Cowboy fan. This is right before Dak got on there, I think. And so I wasn't bandwagon anything. I really made the investment. And now I'm a um, Cowboys fan through and through. And I just love the brand, man. It's America's team. If you don't think it's America's team, then I, I, don't, I don't know what your, uh, I don't know where your mind's at. <laughs> well, first things, I'm not, there's a couple things I'd like to say. As a lifelong Cowboys fan, I am actually happy to have you with us, but also sorry at the same time. <laughs> because it's a lifelong like I haven't seen him win a Super Bowl since I was in the second grade that was in 95 sure. and so it's been a lifelong uh of uh, just disappointing seasons um under achievements um some heartbreak here and there but uh we're hoping that one of these days we'll break through that mold because um I'm just looking forward to seeing do you think the Cowboys can win a Super Bowl with Dak at the helm well here's the, here's the thing I definitely do because I think um he is a quarterback he's a winner you know when people try to say you know he's this and that at the end of the day you know, he, he, we've won a couple of division championships and we have been in, in, in the in the position to win um, football games in, in bigger games. I think the main thing that we needed that we have now is a coach who has actually won a Super Bowl. You need a coach who actually has been there. Right. So now that we have a guy who's coach Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre, I like to see how these next three years are because now Jerry Jones has finally relinquished the power and said, I don't, I can't be the head coach, general manager, trainer, equipment guy, tape guy. Let me delegate it to McCarthy and let's see where it goes. So I'm excited for this coaching change. 
I'm I'm right there with you. I actually have said that for a while. I'm like, listen, like I I respect Jason Garrett for what he was. Um, he was a better offensive coach than uh, what we had prior to that with Wade, but um, mm-hmm. he was kind of handcuffing the team. Uh, I felt like he had handcuffs. He 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 had lost something had been lost in in that process. And oh, yeah. I felt like we were starting to gain some momentum, putting Kellen in charge of what Dak's progression and so forth. And I mean, say what you want about him, but obviously Dak had his best statistical season last year with Kellen being the guy who was teaching him. And so we got him there, we get a little bit of a changing of the guard at the, at the, at the coaching position. And that's all across the board and coaching. We've got a new group coming in. Plus we add another weapon on the outside in CD Lamb, which opens up the field. So with people like Dak Prescott, and I'm sure you've played with people like this, DMAG, anybody who has like limitations, and it's obvious he has some limitations. He's getting better, but he's got some limitations with his arm. That's the reason he was sure. a fourth round quarterback. He wasn't first round for a reason. So he's got to progress. He's got some limitations, but if you can give him weapons, my thought is, hey, you give Dak some weapons, it's going to open the field and it makes the passing easier because you're going to get single coverages with some of these athletic receivers like CD, who's one of the best route runners in the country, in my opinion. I was a Blitnikoff award voter. Got to watch a lot of film of him last year. That's cool. Dude, I got to see a lot of him. I'm like, he is one of the best route runners I have ever seen. And then you got, you know, Amari over there and Gallup's doing his thing. And I'm like, man, mm-hmm. we've got some weapons to get him some open looks. So I'm hoping that uh, with these weapons, new coaching, like you said, Dak might be able to take his game to the next level. And hey, who knows? Take over and maybe we get to that Super Bowl. Man, well, uh, no, dude. Go ahead, yeah, go ahead. I agree, dude. Because I mean, like, honestly, when you look at having friends in the NFL, close friends, it's like, if you want to win at the highest level in NFL football, you got to have a coach who those guys respect, right? There's only so far this talent can take you. Everybody's good. You need a, you need a, a, uh, you know, a Mike McCarthy type. You need a guy, you know, a Mike Tomlin type in his heyday, in his prime. Guys that the players respect. So where it's right. like, hey, look, when it gets down to the NFC divisional game and we're playing the Pat, the Patriots, you know, he's going to make the right decisions. He has our back. You know, where Jason right. Garrett's just like, I respect the guy, but it's like, what do we, you know, what's Jerry going to say? No, 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 no. You need somebody who's like, I'm controlling this team, you know, so I'm, I'm excited to see. We need to get back to that Super Bowl very, very soon. <laughs> Here's the thing. I don't know what I'll ever do if the Cowboys actually win one. I don't know if I'll cry, if I'll scream. <laughs> I don't know. I think I'll do everything. I'm going to take a week off of work. I'm just looking forward to that day ever happening. Maybe I'll be retired by the time it actually happens now, but I'm hoping it'll be, uh, it'll be soon. My dude, so you you grew up playing sports. Obviously, you know, I, I want to talk about your background a little bit in in, sure. in the, the football realm. But, like, you went to Boise State as a wide receiver coming out of Texas. And I'm curious, you know, like, coming up, is football your only sport that you played growing up? Or how long, you know, how, how many sports were you playing? And, and when did you get introduced into athletics? Yeah, so I, uh, I played four or five sports growing up all the time. Oh, I wow. Baseball, basketball, track, football. You know, and 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 track season, I was playing AAU basketball, and basketball season, we were doing seven on seven. So it was always a year round thing okay. for me. That's why that's why I could never gain weight <laughs> because I never had an off season. You know, so. Um, but when I uh, got in high school, I, I had some really good players around me. I think I had eight guys or about five or six guys on my team go go Division One. Um, so. I was a really good basketball player. That was my first love. Got district MVP score. Love, you know, I mean, I was always, I was a huge Kobe guy growing up, you know, so loved the game of basketball. But then I got to that point where I'm like, look, I'm only 6'1", you know, and guys who are 6'1", either you need to be like AI, Chris Paul. If you're not quick like that, 
you need to be at least six four, six five to get some looks. So football was the one sport where I'm like, well, they're giving out 30 scholarships a year. I have a higher opportunity here, you know? And so I really started to push that and got some offers from like army. Um, I got a verbal uh, offer um, from Texas tech, but then I got that offer pulled a couple of weeks before signing day, because at that time, Tommy Tuberville was at tech. He left and Cliff Kingsbury was coming in at Texas uh. tech at that time. So Kingsbury kind of cleaned house. I had nowhere to go. So I ended up coming to Boise State on a preferred walk-on. And, um, yeah, so that's kind of how I ended up here. Um, but uh, definitely a journey um, through all of that. So, you, I mean, that's first things first, multi-sport athlete. We talked about that on the show before, whether or not we feel like it benefits people. I want to get your thoughts on that a little bit deeper. Um, you mentioned, you know, obviously you're playing multiple sports. Yeah, it, it keeps you, you're super athletic. You were able to, you know, compete at the collegiate level, you know, because you're super athletic and super good at what you do. Thing mm -hmm. is, you mentioned you couldn't gain weight. Do you feel yeah. that it benefits? Um, is there a certain point? Sorry. Do you feel that it benefits athletes to play multiple sports? And do you think that there's a certain point where you need to kind of focus in, hone in on maybe one or two of them at some point in your life to be able to, you know, get to that next level? What's your thoughts on that? I mean, I, I, that's a good question. I think it really just depends on the athlete. Okay. I think um, if you are a guy who you're offensive lineman, you're a defensive lineman, you're a big dude, you know that your dad was a football guy, your uncle was a football guy, you're from Texas football, or California football, you know your focus, then you probably don't need to really focus much on the shot put in the disc or what you can do in basketball season. You're focusing on let's go get a state championship this year, right? But if you're a guy where, you know, you're a Tony Gonzalez, I don't know if you know Tony Gonzalez oh, yeah. and tight end. He used to play basketball at Cal, you know, or if you're another guy like a Donovan McNabb to where, hey, or Deion Sanders, where it's like, hey, look, I'm pretty damn good in what I do and everything. You know, I, I can I can run track. I can play basketball. But football is where I'm getting the opportunity. Then I think you can continue to push where your talents are taking you. So I really think it depends on predicated on the athlete. That makes total sense. I, I totally, totally understand that. It's uh, everyone's built differently. Everyone's got a different background. How much do you think that genetics plays a part in your athleticism and your athletic journey? Because you mentioned like these guys that have like, you know, and they come from like, um, I guess it's just, you know, eras of, of sports, whether it be football or whatever, where dad, uncle, grandpa, sure. everyone, how, how much do you think that plays in? And then how much is like, you know, your actual work ethic and everything play into being able to compete at the highest level? I think it does play a, a, a key thing because it's like, you know, if you said you want to go to the NBA, and I'm not saying that anything's possible because I'm an entrepreneur. I operate in a thing every day if anything's possible. But if you say you want to be an you know, NBA guy and your mom's 5'4 and your dad's 5'7, then I don't probably see that happening, right? Okay, that's just being very, very honest, right? However, you know, when you typically get to your sophomore year in high school or going into your junior year, sophomore year in high school, you pretty much have a good idea of, okay, next year I'm either going to be starting on the varsity, the coaches are really liking my talents, yada, yada, yada. I have an opportunity not only to contribute to this team, and if I am a main contributor on this team, then I'm going to set myself up for opportunities to possibly play the next level. And that doesn't have to be division one. That can be division one, division two, division three, and AIA, right? 
So you typically know in that 15 to 16 year old range, like, okay, dude, I'm pretty good at this. <laughs> or, uh, I don't know, you know, which is right. okay. Right. I, I, I appreciate you being honest about that too, because I think that I don't, I, I'm in the same boat. Like I don't want to put any kind of ceiling or handcuffs on, on young athletes, but at some point, you know, reality will set in. Um, and I think it's important to have, uh, parental figures and mentors that can kind of help you see that, you know, if you want to take the next level, obviously put the work in and get there and then you can try and do everything that you possibly can. But like, mm -hmm. you know, you need to have some people that have a realistic viewpoint on things and, and kind of help you, you know, shape yourself to what you need to be. I mean, it, it just, it's, and you got to have some self-awareness and that's my, my thoughts. Mm -hmm. Like there was a point in my life, you know, DMAC where I was like, okay, I played football. I was a tight end, but I'm only six, two. Um, I was a basketball player. Basketball is my main love and I'm a boxer and mm -hmm. I fought for golden gloves. and I loved it. Um, but there was a point where I was like, man, I would love to go play college basketball. I'd love to go do this. You know, I'm a great shooter, this mm -hmm. and that. But like, at some point I was like, man, I'm only six, two. I'm like, that'd be like, that's the smallest point guard in the NBA at this point. Like besides like, <laughs> that's what I think. I'm like, I'm not fast. I'm a shooter. And I'm like, man, I, I'd have to be like six, five to be able to be playing the position I want to play. And right. You know, I just, and I, at that time, I just didn't have the, the athleticism and, uh, I don't know if I had the work ethic to put it in there and, and, and maybe I was a little too late. So I had to come to terms with it. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to focus in on boxing. And I finished up with that. And then, you know, I still have my passion for sports later. And that's why I do my show, but right. I knew I wasn't going, I was like, yeah, I don't have the, genetics nor do i you know i don't know if i can grow any taller well, I want to, so i, I don't mean, know that's that's the great thing about sports because it it, it makes you, you you become real with yourself the higher in the level you go in sports the more you say all right look you know in football or whatever that's why i love football because you can't sugarcoat you can't come to me and you and say well dude you know what happened was i tripped and my foot got stuck on this play and it's like well <laughs> on the film you just got ran over <laughs> you know what i'm saying so that's what i love about the game and especially when i was at Boise state of like you were completely real everything is completely transparent there is no sugarcoating because it's like the it's up on the screen right you know what i'm saying so that's what i love about um honestly the game and and, and sports in general because it makes you be completely honest with yourself yeah, you have no way of hiding from Bronco vision, man. Like it's, it's <laughs> no, no, it's, it's up there for everybody to see. <laughs> that's hilarious, actually. Mm -hmm. So, so tell me, D Mac, you you get over to to Boise State as a preferred walk on. Was that your ideal situation? I mean, you you had some offers. You know, you were mentioned in Texas State. There was like big name schools. Mm -hmm. What was your thoughts coming here? Honest thoughts. Like, were you excited to come to Boise? Were you kind of like, oh my gosh, I'm going to Boise State? Like, what what were the thoughts? Maybe you were excited. I don't know. So tell us a little bit about that coming here as a preferred walk-on. Dude, I really do think um, that journey I had, the journey I had through Boise State as a, as a, as a preferred walk-on um, was a definitely a faith journey for me. That's where my faith really did grow, and that really did, I feel, propelled me into what I'm doing now. Um, I truly think it was a time in my life that was planning, strengthening me to what I'm doing now, to be completely honest with you. So coming to Boise State, I was excited. You know, I, I got the preferred walk-on. I got a roster spot. And to let everybody know, Boise State, when they do walk-ons, there is no tryout, you know, like the Rudy or, you know, like the movie stuff. When they do walk-ons, typically it is just, hey, we have three to four spots open of a lineman, a receiver, and a quarterback. Come join. You know, we see your tape. You're a good player. We like to see that you guys, you can add value to this program. So that's the way they kind of do the walk-on process. So 
Um, when Boise State, you know, reached out, they, you know, the receiver coach at the time came to my school. He's now the coach at receiver coach at the Detroit Lions. Um, you know, it was I knew Boise State was a successful program. I mean, you have to understand, I graduated my high school class was 12, 13 or 13. So up to that point from 2010, 11 and 12, I mean, Boise state was ranked top 10 in the country. Right. right. And I actually grew up in the same town as JHI in oh, Frisco, okay. Texas. Right. So we were in the same district. He's older than me, but um, I knew about Boise state. So I was like, I'm, I'm excited for the, um, for the opportunity. That is a, uh... It's just weird to me, like to hear from someone. I'm born and raised here, so I always love to hear from people that are coming here from out of town and what the athletes truly think about it. But it is, I guess, at that particular point, like you said, they had built themselves a little bit of a brand name. That was like the glory days, those, those killing days. Um, yeah, some good, some good programs, like some good years with him there, um, leading the leading the. And pack. I'll be, I'll be honest with you, dude. I got, I mean, I I was a huge. Uh, Oklahoma fan growing up, huge oh, okay. Sooner fan, huge Bob Stoops guy, huge Sam Bradford, DeMarco Murray, Jermaine Gresham, all those guys. I was a huge fan. So when we lost to Boise State in that Fiesta Bowl in 06, I was in bawling in tears. Like, you know, who are these guys? What are they doing? I cannot, I, mean, I was visibly hurt, <laughs> visibly hurt. And to fast forward, I remember my second year at Boise State walking into the the Arizona Fiesta Bowl uh, when we played Arizona in 2014, I was just remember looking at that stadium going, darn, dude. Like, I remember crying watching this game eight years ago and now to be there. So that was a pretty cool – that was a really cool moment. Wow, I bet that was super cool. And I don't mean to be insensitive, but, like, you being a Sooners fan, I was at that Fiesta Bowl against Oklahoma. Um, no way. We were there, and it was literally one of the happiest moments I've ever had in my entire life. <laughs> I was – I was getting my happiness, I guess, from fans like yourself that were crying, that were devastated. And I just kept, it kept, I don't know, it sounds awful, but I was just the happiest I've ever been because every time I saw a kid or a, a parent or someone like either in tears or just visibly upset, I just got happier and happier. I know it's so <laughs> terrible to say that. It was one of the best games I've ever seen. And then like, I was also, you know, I went to the Fiesta Bowl against Arizona. So it's kind of cool to like hear your side of it. You were Sooners fan. Now you're a player actually on the yeah. roster. And, and getting to be there but that was also an amazing amazing journey we we're right there when with the with the final stop in the in the final seconds of the game and just everything it was just super but for you coming full circle that way that's actually really funny to hear that's the stories we like to hear man like i would never have i've that. never i've never cried the only two games i cried so hard was as a kid was that boy you stayed OU game and and it was texas usc when vince young crossed that pylon I was in tears because I, I was OU fan. So I visibly hated UT. <laughs> so I was oh. like, Matt Liner, Reggie Bush, those, which is, in my opinion, one of the best college teams ever. I was like, finish these guys off. I can't stand Ben Young. I can't stand that burn orange. It makes me want to puke. <laughs> and when he crossed that finish line, I was just like, and my mom went to UT. So she was, she had fun with that. So, oh, man. It's so crazy because, yeah. like, Arguably, those are two of the best bowl games in that ever. era, like time ever. Yeah, ever. Like, like, and they were all within the same time frame, really. Within, like, they weren't even that far away from each other. That's crazy. And then that USC game. Let me just. Rem I think it was Lindale White was the the other running back. What oh, was yeah. it, like a fourth and one or a fourth and two? And he'd been getting like two, three yards fourth a and pop, two. and they stopped him somehow. I'm like, oh my gosh! Like you just knew it was like something was 
weird out there when Lindale White couldn't get a fourth down. Like the whole game, he's just been piling over him, getting at least two, three yards a pop, if not more. And all of a sudden, they stop him on the fourth. Yeah, it was just that shift. Yeah, (laughs) that's crazy, dude. dude. I'm going back in time to my high school days, and like I remember watching (laughs) that. It's crazy. So, 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 D Mac, you're you're at Boise State, and um. Tell me about your experience there. Um, what, was it what you thought it was going to be as far as like playing is concerned? Because if you were to look at a statistical sheet, there aren't a lot of statistics, right, that, that sure. pop up on the on the sheet. So I want to hear about your experience uh, coming to Boise State as a receiver. You have a roster spot. Was mm-hmm. it what you thought it was going to be? And what did you learn at, at, you know, at Boise State when you were there? Dude, tremendous question. So, yeah, um, and this is honest, and that's why I love for being transparent. So when I came to Boise State – walked on um you know i you know i i wasn't a guy who played you know that much while i was there i was more of a utility guy a guy who was helping the team out um a lot of my years there and how and also to add i was a wide receiver in a room i was a preferred walk-on receiver in a room the time i was there in my opinion arguably some of the best receivers in the history boy state were there um now of course the the ones that came before my time were awesome too you know, state of the art. But the, when I was there, I had I was playing there with Thomas Burbeck, who's all time leader in yards. I was there with Cedric Wilson, who's all time leader in catches or something in the season. I was there with um, Shane Williams Rose, who set some season records. I was there with Matt Miller, who was an all time leader and whatever. So I and I was also there with other guys who were good players who didn't maybe get all the shine. I was there with Aaron Burks. I was there with Geraldo Boldevine. I was there with a bunch of players and, and, and wide receivers in that room. And there was a lot of receivers in that room that you didn't even really see um, who were incredible athletes. So every, every fall camp, it wasn't like I was doing bad. It wasn't like I was not making plays. I mean, I had one year. That's why I always wear this ring. I was a poinsettia bowl ring. You know, I had a good year that year. I was on a couple of uh, travel trips. I was doing some stuff through special teams doing good in practice. It was just <laughs> the players I was with were just pretty good. Or not pretty good, but really good, right? So, um, you know, I, I have a moment where I remember Cedric Wilson coming in the first day and uh, he ran around and snagged it, you know, with one hand. You know, it was like a Randy Moss type thing. And I had a longest yard moment. I just said, now I never get to play. <laughs> you know, because it was just like this guy is, you know, a really good player. You just can't, you can't deny it. So my time there, man, to be honest with you was very humbling. Um, all of my friends, um, my close friends, Joey Moderano, uh, Thomas Spurbeck, Jake Rowe, Alec Danon, those were all my college friends and roommates. Um, were all very great athletes, state-of-the-art guys, where I was a guy who was fighting, you know, every day to try to prove myself. So it was some lonely times during that those years of they would make the trips they would be going they would have a great game I didn't make it I didn't make the bus so they would come back and they would be excited and I would have to be excited with them to be a team player right so there was a lot of moments of alone time growing in my faith um you know swallowing the pride and saying hey I'm here for these guys and the fact that I did that four years four and a half years was um very very humbling but it also channeled this inner grit and this inner passion of like I but you know I know that I'm very gifted in these areas I know that I'm very talented um in a lot of other areas so when I came out of football it just that's what just propelled me was all of that not built up animosity just like I know I'm somebody and I know I have something to prove 
And just to kind of give you a little small background in 20 seconds, growing up before I got into sports, I was doing, I was in Barney as a kid. I was doing photo shoots. I was in commercials. I was in JCPenney's, right? So that was a foundation of my life as a young kid. So I was already in the show entertainment thing as a kid, got good at sports, went to Boise State. Then it's like, okay, this is a learning path for me, but now I can't wait to propel myself back into um, that journey as well too. So I hope that answers your question, but um, very, very passionate time for me and a very, very time for me during that while I was at Boise State that, that hits really close to home. No, it's, it's fantastic. I really appreciate the the insight there. Just kind of like being transparent, like we said, just with what the whole experience was like. I tell people this all the time. They'll say like, oh, well, so-and-so doesn't get any minutes on the basketball court. That doesn't mean they're not a good athlete. You kidding me? You're, mm-hmm. When you're competing, sometimes it's all about opportunity. It might be timing. Sure. Uh, when you're with a program or with an organization, people will say that about professional athletes all the time. Oh, well, they're on the NBA roster, but they don't even play. They don't even see the floor. I'm like, guys, listen. <laughs> They're on another team. They might have a different situation. It's it depends on the you know the people that like the personnel on the team. It depends on the coaching sure. and then and, and all sorts of things. There's a lot of factors that people don't realize. And when you were mentioning names like that that you were around, totally puts that into perspective. Like yeah, you're a stud athlete too. Doesn't mean you're not a stud athlete. Doesn't mean you're not good at what you do. It just happens. Sure. I mean, there are some other people that might be just a little bit better, and that's okay. Um, exactly. Tell us this. I, I asked uh, Coach Harson. Uh, one year ago this last summer. So it was a year ago. We went to a little luncheon thing and and I asked Coach Harson how he, you know, goes about trying to get, you know, the players that come in that might be in a situation like yourself that that they come in and they know, like, I might not get as much playing time. I might not be like reality sets in, you know, they might not be getting as much playing time based on the people that are in front of them. But how did I asked him, how does he get those those players to buy in to the whole entire team? commitment you know and you just mentioned for four and a half years you were doing that how mm-hmm. did you do that i want to know what you felt like inside like you mentioned like i had to swallow my pride i had to be excited with them to be a team player but like how did you go about that how did you keep getting yourself motivated to come to practices mm-hmm. knowing that sometimes you might not travel with the team uh, but you're going to mm-hmm. go in there you're going to contribute when you can contribute and come out there without being like hey you know what with the because today you know what dmac the way that it is we've built a society nowadays that it's like hey it's not working for me i'm going to transfer well, hmm. you kept fighting and kept, you know, having the team spirit and kept going. But how did you do that? Like, can you give us some specifics on how that, how you went about that? Because I think the athletes that are listening to this need to know. Hmm. Dude, I, I think the main thing um, for me was and this is this is definitely bringing me back. But the main thing for me, man, was when I first got to Boise State, my closest friends, we all just kind of gelled together. Um, we called ourselves the Fat Five. But those guys were, you know, Joe Monterano, who I was the best man in his wedding. Um, Alec Danins, of course. Um, uh, Thomas Furbeck and Jake Rowe. And all of those guys were close friends of mine, brothers of mine, still brothers today, along with Sam McCaskill and other guys. So you have to understand when, when, you're, when, 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 when your brother's like that, um, they kept me going to practice because I was like, well, these guys, you know, Thomas just broke this record, you know, or Jake is an awesome, you know, tight end and should have won best tight end of the year one year. He led the country in touchdowns and, and I think it was 2016 or 17. And Alec was a great tight end. And um, along with Joe Monterano, who was drafted by the Cubs and doing the Bo Jackson thing, playing college baseball, I mean, uh, playing professional baseball and college football at a high level. So when your friends are that way and when you're around, when I was around people like that, and I knew that, you know, hey, I'm still a talented 
player too, that honestly was the one thing that kept me, you know, pushing to say, well, you know what, they're going to practice, they're doing a thing. I still want something to prove. I want to show that I can do something. So that kind of kept me um, coming back every single year. And what, what the funny thing about this is the moment uh, Joe stopped playing, Spurbeck went to the NFL and it was just me, Jake and Alec there in the 2017 spring. I had one of the best springs I ever had. A, lot of, a couple of receivers went down and I got to start playing a lot. Start getting some rest with the twos and ones. Got MVP of a couple scrimmages. Um, had a good spring game. I was really kind of getting myself, having the opportunity to maybe start playing, getting more snaps in. But my friends that were gone, and I was kind of already mentally thinking of media, entrepreneurship, connecting. I was already kind of on that level. I was talking with other NFL teams about what I could do. So I was kind of already checked out. Um, and especially my friends that left. So that was a huge part for me, dude, was just having those guys and those brothers there with me to kind of keep me, you know, amped up to do it every day. I love that. It's the whole like iron sharpens iron, uh, power your surroundings, make sure you're yeah. around, you know, people like that because you never know when you're going to need them and they're going to need you. But like at times, like everybody, if you're surrounding yourself with the right people and you're not getting yourself in the wrong circles, you'll lift each other up. Like they lifted you up at times of need. And obviously I'm sure you've done the exact same thing for them. You know, tell us, tell us D-Mac, what was one of your favorite memories at uh, Boise state as a football player? What do you have a favorite game, a favorite experience? You mentioned the Arizona Fiesta Bowl, but I'm curious, is there a, another one that might be a, a different uh, experience that might be the best one for you? Yeah, man, I think the, um, of course the Fiesta Bowl. I mean, that was awesome. I still have that ring. I haven't worn that that much, but that was an awesome year. Cause that was coach Harson's very first year. Um, and him bringing in his culture um, against Coach Pete's. Um, so that was a cool transition. And then, um, honestly, dude, the, 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 the block field goal that we did versus BYU on the <laughs> blue, um, that year we were undefeated. I thought that year personally in 2016 that we weren't going to lose. Um, that's the year we ended up getting beat by Baylor in the bowl game. But that year we started off the year 8-0, and uh, we were 13th in the country. If we would have beat Wyoming, Josh Allen, um, that same week, number nine, Ken and number seven lost, we would have been top 10 again, would have got Boise State back in that top 10. Um, but that moment versus BYU was um, was really, really incredible. And it was just really cool to see kind of the crowd involved. Um, but I would say those two moments, man, that's the Estable year when we won the conference championship as well, too. Everybody was on the field. Um, it's a really cool feeling when you're playing on a team that is playing for something bigger than themselves. And that Fiesta Bowl year, we lost the Air Force, lost to Ole Miss. And then as we got deeper in the year, we just got better and better. And as we got to like that last week, you could kind of feel like, oh man, like things are molding together. The offense is molding together. We could be playing for something exciting at the end of the year. So it's always cool to be a part of something like that. That's crazy. I I mean those those are some great teams that you were talking about right there. Oh, like, yeah. I mean oh, that yeah. Fiesta Bowl. I mean, Hedrick had the best start arguably in history, like of a game. He was on fire just going through on and you guys fire. just you dominated. I mean, there was a couple lapses here and there which gave him a chance at the very end, but I mean you did what you had to do basically in their own backyard, which was what was really cool there too. And then uh that I have to ask you about that blocked field goal. Be real. Like, I need to know, did you know the rule on that? Because at, at, at the game, I'm there at the game in the south end zone where our season tickets used to be, and they block the field goal, and all of a sudden they get another down out of it, and they're throwing it to the end zone in the last one. But we were like, 
everyone was confused at what the heck was happening. Is that the game you're talking about? Like the blocked field goal where it was all bouncing around and then they actually got another play out of it and hucked it to the end zone. Did you know the rule? Because I was so confused what was happening in that game. I'm not sure. The one I'm talking about is it was 28-27 on the blue. And it was like a long field goal and we blocked it. Did they get another play? Yeah, that's the so that's the BYU game. Okay, um, yeah, I, I, I didn't understand that. Yeah, they got another play out of it because they kicked it. I believe it was on third down or whatever. You got it was a w- weird situation where Boise State we blocked it. It was at it was at our house, blocked it. They recovered it and they ended up getting um, an extra throw to the end zone, which we knocked out. I wanted to say it was. Uh, I could have been wrong. I think it was Pierce who knocked it out and it was just knocked it down in the end zone. But uh, yeah. it was one of the weirdest endings of a game I've, I've ever seen. So here's the final two minutes that was, <laughs> yeah. Final two minutes of BYU Boise state was complete chaos. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Dude. So BYU had a third and 25 from the 42 yard line. I'm trying to see what the, the thing is here. 28, 27 Thursday night game. so i gotta read this dude it was like nuts okay BYU had a 30 25 in the 42 yard line with 10 seconds left an attempt to get back the field goal range fell incomplete but the cougars had a chance on a final hail mary attempt they've had plenty of success okay okay so boy state celebrated the game clinching block only it wasn't game clinching the kick attempt didn't pass the line of scrimmage and the cougars recovered the ball because they opted to kick on second down they retained possession that's what it was now they had a third and 25 from the 42 yard line Uh, and okay and to add to that, I was nervous because that was 2016. The year before that, in 2015, I went to BYU, and that was the year. Oh, yeah, I was we, at that game. <laughs> we, dude, where we lost on Tanner Hail Mary. Oh, my God. I mean, that was, that was, a, that was devastating. Oh, you're bringing up memories, bro. Like, I can't even imagine being a player. That was devastating. I, uh, I I've never had a good experience going to the BYU games. I go to all they've lost every time I go there. It seems like, except for when I was in like sophomore year in high yeah. school. Not a fan of BYU, dude. Walking out of that stadium after the 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 hail mary, we were walking before the game actually ended because I think, uh, yeah, I think there was an interception that was thrown and the game was pretty much over, but it hadn't hit zeros yet. And we're walking down the steps and they're singing to us to all the fans na 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 hey 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 goodbye oh, and i like man. had to clinch my fists and look straight oh, no. down the stairs man because i was like tonight might be the night that i end up uh going somewhere that i'm not supposed to be because i was so upset oh, my man. gosh dude <laughs> yeah oh you just but, brought up a terrible memory <laughs> i know so, yes I know. but hey the the redemption i love hearing it from a player's perspective getting the blocked field goal and just the excitement there we that I remember that game as a fan. It was uh, phenomenal. So just absolutely, it's redemption. And that's the best part about it. Dude, mm-hmm. talk to us. You mentioned into, into your career, D-Mac, you were, you're starting like in, in that 17 season or whatever. You're starting to think about the media stuff and you're kind of getting into that push mm-hmm. of the entrepreneurship. And now, like I said at the beginning of the interview, I got to see you, you know, you're, you're back on the blue. You're doing the MC work over there and, and doing yeah. these fun things. Talk to us about like, what you've taken from football and what it mm-hmm. gave you and like the skill sets you acquired there that you're utilizing now in, in your work with, uh, you know, David McKenzie enterprises. Yeah, dude. I mean, I, um, with, um, you know, with what I'm doing now, I mean, like last night, for example, I got to host an event with, uh, Bob Costas and Mike Dicka and the 1985 Chicago bears and, 
Gary Fensick and all these Hall of Fame guys. I mean, it was it was it was, it was incredible. I was because a lot of people already don't know the '85 Bears. I'm like, '85 Bears are a legendary team. Like the, that defense at four six. Um, but anyway, honestly, dude, football taught me. You know, I when you're around an elite group of people, you know, and they and they have a high standard. Um, it's always good to be around that type of culture and that type of standard. But it's also good to know and to say, hey, I believe in myself. I know that I'm somebody, period. I know that I can do some great things and what I and what God's calling me to do. Right. So football taught me, you know, in those four years, I, I learned perseverance. I learned how to serve to lead. I learned how to put others before myself. I learned how to, you know, hey, how can what can I do to help you? But I also learned how to say, I'm going to change my environment. I know who I am. I'm, I'm going to go after what I feel God's calling me to do, and I'm going to achieve it, right? So I think those two things together really did propel me to what I'm doing now. And, um, you know, when I came out of football, I was doing a lot of sports talk radio. I was doing ESPN Boise. I was doing KTIK, KTIK um, doing a lot of stuff with Caves and all those guys. And um, I got to a point where I was like, you know what, I, I, I want to do even thing. I want to do things even more than sports. I want to host more events. And that's what I started doing. And, you know, continue, God, continue to open doors. And, you know, now I'm here. So it's been cool opportunities. And there's something about when you're aligned and where you're supposed to be going, doors open. You know what I mean? Let me say that when you're aligned and where you're supposed to be going, there's already grace lined up for you. Right. So there's a lot of people who are over here doing something but they should be over here and when they take that step over on that highway and they say you know what i've always wanted to do you know i always wanted to be a blogger i always wanted to be an architect or whatever and as soon as they step into that they just start having this grace of oh my god this person hit me up this person yes yeah, because you're you're walking what you're supposed to be doing right and you can attest to that because you know you're doing you love sports you know and you're continuing to push that calling and you continue to have doors open for you because you're in your grace if that makes sense. So um, I think that's what it taught me, man, for sure. Oh man, you're speaking to me right now, as you said that. So I, <laughs> I can't even, I can't even like, I can't add to that anymore. Like you said it perfectly. <laughs> when you're doing what you're aligned, like when you're aligned mm -hmm. with what your calling is, it will happen for you. If you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, like if that's what your Come calling on. is, like things will, things will open for you if you're putting in the work. I, I love that you said that. So I won't even, mm -hmm. I won't even add to that. It's it's so true, man. And I love mm -hmm. to see what you're doing as a as a Boise State fan, a Boise State alum. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't graduate till 2017. I was uh, I was 28 years old when I graduated from college. I was always working full time, but um, I was a season ticket holder there. I've been going to games for years, my whole entire life. Been going to Boise State since I was six years old, just going to games. It's kind of cool to see. Like, I'll be honest, man. At games. I, I'm a Buckeyes fan too. So I go to big games and stuff and I've been to some major universities, major, major programs. And it's, I mean, not trying to be disrespectful, but Boise state's not even close to being there. Bronco, we don't have the culture yet. It's not, we don't have yeah, the, yeah. it's just not there yet. We're, we're a relatively young program in the historical side of things, you know, and to see the cool innovative ways they're trying to get fan interaction and so forth, because the fans we have at Boise state, they're great. The ones that go there, but we don't fill the stadium and it's this and that when there's always like, it's, it's hard to get the excitement, but when we got people like oh, yeah. you out there, you're out there and you're having fun and you're trying to get the, the crowd pumped. We're singing Bon Jovi. We're doing this. Like, right. I love that. And then like, we go over to the, 
you know, the horseman game last year. I was at the championship game there. I saw you there again. Like, you're yeah. like, dude, this guy, we're utilizing his skill set to get these, like, it's innovative. And I think it's fantastic. One, we need that in the Valley for, for football at Boise State. So I'm hoping that you'll be able to continue to make an impact there in some form or fashion whenever football gets back to, to normal. What's, what's the plan there? Yeah, I mean, so I'm glad you brought up with the in-game experience because that's one thing that, you know, especially when you're in my lane, you know, you have to carve out your own lane to kind of showcase people what you can do. And I think with the in-game experience I did at Boise State and what I'm doing at Boise State was just like I wanted to add that. I was like, you know, look, there's more than me just going out here announcing, you know, that our gymnast team won the Mountain West Conference Championship last year. I mean, that's great. But can we let's get some sweet Carolina in here? Let's get some pour some sugar on me. Let's get these, you know, and luckily that, you know, Matt, who's over marketing and stuff there, was like, I'm I'm in for that. And we got the mics and stuff ready. And it's super cool that they were like down to do that type of stuff. And I'm glad to bring some type of element um that hasn't been brought before on that field of like energy uplifting, bringing fun to the to the crowd so i think it, it it's always i mean because you know you go to ohio state you go to south carolina those that in-game experience stuff is like whoa you know so i'm glad i get to kind of do uh more of that stuff and i hate that i couldn't do it this year i had some plans but it's all good hey i mean i think we're all kind of frustrated with what's going on in the sports world we're hoping that it'll get back to normal though and we'll be able to see what you got to bring man i i can tell you from a fan's perspective i appreciate the work that you're doing because it definitely does help with the end game experience, uh, the fan experience overall. Um, like you said, I mean, last year I'm at the, the Nebraska game in Lincoln. It was Ohio state versus Nebraska. I wanted to go check out the new stadium. I like to travel around and see new stadiums. And I mean, they're losing by 40 plus going into the fourth quarter, the whole entire Nebraska fan base. I'm not even a Nebraska fan, but the lights go off. They have red around the entire stadium. There's 90,000 people still there and they got their phones out and they're doing the, the, the Nebraska song. Cause it was a night game. And I'm like, this is like that in-game experience. Of like, this is why people stay because they want to do this. Then going into the sure, floor, yeah, like, that. like that's culture, that's history, that's that's, that's tradition. Um, and so I love that you're bringing the innovative stuff there to get that excitement because we've got to get something changing, and I love to see it, man. So, DMac, tell us real quick as we're wrapping up the interview. You know, David McKenzie Enterprises. We've we, we you've got all the stuff that you're doing. You're hosting events. You're doing all these cool things. Where do we expect to see you in the next five years? Because if you're being real since, since college till now, there's been such immense growth right there. It's only been a sure. few years. So let's say what's, what's the five-year plan. Where should we be? What, what should we be expecting of you in five years? Yeah. I mean, I think uh, the main goal here, man, is just um, continue to expand on what I'm doing. And I think the, the, the main goal, you know, when I say the Ryan Seacrest thing, I make a joke, but I'm being honest because this is a guy who's grown his brand to where, you know, him through NBC, you know, him through Kelly and Ryan, you know, him through American Idol. But people also don't know that this guy's worth over half a billion dollars. He has production companies. He has he's created the Kardashian. He does E Hollywood. He's had he's had all these projects spurt out of his brand. So in the next five years, that is my 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 vision and goal. And I believe that will happen. Of is hey, continue to host, continue to be the speaker, continue to be this personality, this energy that God's called you to be through social media, through television, through whatever those the outlets and doors open through that. And through that brand that you grow, continue to branch out and bring that energy to real estate, bring it to the medical field, bring it to other industries, bring it to coaching, bring it to consulting, bring it to all these avenues that you can bring that energy and brand to, um, to where now you just have this entity 
and all these other things circle around this entity. So that's kind of the main goal. And um, I'm excited to um, continue to um, expand on that. Heck yeah, man. Well, we're looking forward to seeing where you're at too, because I can already tell you, you got the momentum rolling. You got the work mm -hmm. ethic. You've got all those, the skill sets, you know, required to be able to get there. And I've seen it like just in the last couple of years, I've seen how much you've grown. Can't wait to see how much more you grow in the next five years. It's going to be awesome. And DMAC, we really appreciate you joining the show. And I hope everybody else enjoyed it. It was an awesome interview. So thank you so much uh, for, for letting me speak to you today. Yeah, dude, we got to do a part two, man. Oh, for sure. For sure. For all the listeners out there, we appreciate you guys tuning in week after week as we've hit over 53,000 downloads of the show, 80 different countries. It's all because of you guys. Make sure to go head over to Apple and leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts slash iTunes, depending on whichever device you're on. And you guys know the drill. Hit the subscribe button. We'll be coming to you guys next week. Take care. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.